You're listening to the Black Lodge Games Podcast. We are back after a short delay due to life, circumstances, and the wage cage. Today, we're going to be talking about alignment. Sure, this topic was beaten to death on Twitter and everywhere else, but we didn't get to participate. So now it's time. So, Nick, why don't you start us off and tell us what is alignment? Should you have it in your game? Uh, is Watsy making the right decision for once and, and getting rid of alignment? Or are they once again tripping over themselves? Uh, once again, they are definitely uh, making the wrong choice. The worst of all possible choices in removing alignment. Alignment is its one of those things that uh, comes around again and again. People have very strong opinions about it, which I suppose makes sense given what it is. You know, we're talking about the moral framework of an entire world and how your character is defined. Um, and, you know, I believe both of our opinions early on in our gaming career uh, were fairly similar in that, um, and I think this is the case for most people still to this this day, in that um, alignment is, you know, an unnecessary um, remnant of a bygone age. Mm -hmm. um, at best, it serves a purpose to, um, you know, throw throw a lifesaver to poor role players to give them something, anything to hang their character concept on and be a, you know, a uh, a counterbalance to 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 trash a. Uh, Trash immersion and trash role playing, or you know, as I said, at at worst, it's complete afterthought that's only given any word count in later editions of any game, um, just because of the momentum of of history. It was there from the beginning, and so it, you know, it kind of has to be there, even though it's not implemented, it's not really integrated into any setting, it's not. Uh, there's no um, explanation in more than a lip service fashion as to how to actually role play that for your character. Or um, why you would role play it. Or why. Um, and we would argue that the, the alignment system as it's implemented in D&D, &D, in Pathfinder, um, you know, it is it, it is a terrible system. Uh, not because the idea of it, however, is lacking in quality or merit, but the work uh, just hasn't gone in. The thought hasn't gone in to actually take it to its logical conclusions and make make it meaningful and impactful, either to the GM in um, portraying the larger world and the NPCs there. Or for a player, um, you know how to guide and, and bring about their their role play. Um, you know, you and I yeah. were having this this conversation. Um, you know, your alignment, in whichever fashion it's um, you know, conceptualized, law versus chaos, um, order versus dis disorder, good evil, uh, any combination you know, the, thereof. Yeah, any combination thereof. Um. You think about yourself as a person in living in a world. Um, you know, these these implicit virtues or value systems. They really are a tremendous foundation to how you 
present yourself in the world, how you see yourself, how you see other people, how you navigate the world, the choices that you make. Um, again, not in an, usually, um, in an explicit way. Yeah, it's not something um, that, like, I'm consciously thinking about, you know, whether I am lawful or chaotic or good or evil on a daily basis, right. but it's just an implicit part of my worldview. There is some component yeah. of my orientation toward the world. Yeah, this is one of those, it's like a butterfly effect situation. These are, you know, the wide, low waves that really shape a huge portion of the current of people and a civilization. And so, you know, I think we we have a lot of different different examples, and I think that's, you know, a preamble on, on my part. I know you have been um, thinking a lot and rereading a lot on um, a game we've talked many times uh, before, but yeah. Vampire. And it's different uh, iterations, particularly Requiem, I think, for your case. A, um, a system of sort of morality or alignment that is really done done very well. Very well. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest problem with alignment as it's used in a lot of products is that it's not used. Um, I mean, there's right. no, it's kind of tacked on as an afterthought now. Um, and if there's no, there's nothing really tying it to kind of the, the cosmology or metaphysics of whatever world you're playing in, um, which if you do that makes the game a lot more interesting. Um, like I looked at the uh, first edition Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, first thing I did was go and look up what Gygax had to say about alignment. And uh, it was interesting because the way what he said you know it's it's basically it's like your kind of alignment with your your alignment i can't believe i just said i used the word i was uh, trying to define uh <laughs> a nice little circle <laughs> that we got there i uh, know but it's your it's yeah. your orientation towards a, a part of the kind of cosmology of the world even it, it doesn't matter like however you are acting you are acting in service of some deity in D D. whether you are mm-hmm. aware of it or not your actions are acting in service of those deities um, and so I like the idea of having, uh, you know, I, I like the versions of D and D and games like lion and dragon that have the single axis of law versus chaos, uh, which as you can see, our mid journey created background here is wonderfully mm-hmm. interpreted <laughs> my, my three word prompt. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's not simply an afterthought in, in a lot of those games, which is why it ends up being pretty cool to me like in Lion and Dragon for instance which is my current obsession and I will get to Vampire in a moment um, Law and Chaos are kind of like locked in this it's not even a metaphysical battle so to speak but uh, they're locked in opposition to one another and as you get um, more like the the unraveling of civilization boils out and manifests itself as more monsters showing up in the world you know, right. uh, so when you're looking at it like a period of like English history, like the Rose War, the political instability in uh, the the social fabric disintegrating starts essentially boiling out into the rest of reality. And you get, you know, more incursions by elves and goblins. And uh, there's more uh, like cults of chaos springing up across the land. And there's no coordinated conspiracy or anything there. It's literally, it's like this philosophical, metaphysical force within the game. Um, 
and they have literal implications there as well. I mean, on the on the side of law, like the church has like these objective miracles of the clerics. You know, these are these are literally like the power, the divine power of the unconquered son and, and law and order. And then on the chaotic side, you have the kind of dark mysteries of magic, all of which are very real, objectively real within the world. It's not simply like a a made up ethical code. It's not a subjective um, choice. It's not attacked you're on making. game aid. Yeah, exactly. Something that bleeds into it's it's part of the physics. Yeah, exactly. So a, to say, of the world. It's it's embedded in like the fabric of the reality of the world, and that is awesome and the way in which your characters in a, in a setting like that when your characters are aligned you know with either side of this kind of spectrum and it doesn't again it doesn't necessarily mean good or evil you can have people who are lawful who are cruel and chaotic who are benevolent and and, and all of that um without needing to account for a good and evil axis um but it does it 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 contributes to the churning of that world you know and that is, there's, I think, maybe, like, three paragraphs in Lion and Dragon about alignment. Like, that's it. But the rest mm-hmm. of it is implicit in the setting. And then when you get the, uh, you know, the, the source books, it's very much explicit about law and chaos. Um, but, again, it's not right. even specifically talking about character alignment. Um, and so if you have a world that functions that way, where the world building has this built in it gives you a lot more to kind of work with with your role play and getting rid of alignment is you know like watsi is doing to me it seems more like a really just a symptom of the philosophy of the age that we live in yeah it's like this total nihilism of like discarding any notion of categorizing the world. Any value system, <laughs> yeah. Any hierarchy, any yeah, any categorization. It's uh, creative bankruptcy and moral moral nihilism. Exactly, and and that's uh, that's going to make for a shitty game, you know, a game that yeah, has I no mean, sense of right or wrong. Even even if your protagonists are ostensibly on the wrong side, you know, it's like right. there is a side though. <laughs> And, and right, you're on, you're only taking away from your game. You're carving out pounds of flesh from what could and should be a robust, interesting, engaging right. world with interesting, immersive, engaging characters. You're stripping um, paint off of the canvas. You're bringing yes, it back yes. to a blank canvas where you have no limitations, nothing, you know, and that's not a good thing. That is really not a good thing. Right, you're not, you know, the... the uh, you know the the argument that I think would be you know, they would use among other things uh, is um, we're not confining people. You know this is mm-hmm. we talked about this before. You know uh, you know rules confinement equals bad. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's that's wrong. Yeah, you're not it's so dumb. <laughs> you're not giving greater freedom to explore morality uh, or explore um, you know um, emotional. Um, conflict or conviction, you're removing the possibility to really do that in any meaningful way. Yeah. You're removing a limb. You're, you know, exactly. Than, you know, uh, you're giving it more range. You know, range of movement. You're just you're amputating that limb. That whole thing is is gone. Right. Um. You know, which is is terrible, and that's that's 
that that's been the trend i think yeah um in larger pop culture in general is to just water it down you know throw throw paint thinner and, and turpentine right. over the masterpiece you know and just let's get back to that you know, that gray gruel blank canvas yeah. where anything goes and nothing matters yeah i i completely agree and the uh the thing is when games I don't think I've really come across many games that don't have alignment, you know, in in the sense that, like, even if you have, if you get rid of the terminology of alignment, you're not talking about right. law, chaos, good and evil. Most mm-hmm. games still end up having some either moral component or some sort of something that is a, a giving you a direction for characters. Yeah. You know, it is it is essentially it's the same it is the same mechanic. It's just in a in a different form, um, or not mechanic, perhaps, but it's the same concept that's being presented in a different form. Um, right. But I think basically uh, what that does is just to get, like giving your characters an orientation, you know, uh, like a a direction, a kind of prime direction that they're always uh, kind of moving in. And right. that can change. And that's the other thing is like this whole thing of like you're being confined by alignment. Uh, that was never even a thing in D&D. Like your characters could change yeah. alignment based on their, you know, the DM is supposed to be keeping secretly keeping track of all your actions. You know, that might change yeah. your alignment. And then your alignment changes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. And that can have serious that's... consequences if you're, you know, a paladin or, you know. <laughs> right. Or a cleric of a particular right. deity. But, you know, again, this is, you know, evidence of just more. Uh, more trash play. You know, people read, oh, this, you know, this M rule, you know, you know me need maintain rule. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you know, uh, you know, me lose game. Yeah. You know, you're, you just have no creativity at right. all to, uh, to uh, embody a character or as a, as a GM to challenge and to have things naturally um, adapt and flow and, and happen as a natural consequence of people changing, especially, you know, someone at, you know, again, to keep with the, the sort of D&D example, you know, someone at mm-hmm. first level, presumably somebody very young um, in actual age, mm-hmm. um, who is just getting started in whatever their career, their quote-unquote class, whatever it is, their, you know, their experience in the larger world and these deadly... Um, uh, deadly encounters, sometimes you know, soul-crushing encounters, you know, dark magics and eldritch things, whatever the case case may be. You're naturally going to, um, at least be attempted uh, is perhaps the wrong word, but you know, there, there's going to, if not be an outward change, there's going to be yeah, an internal um, navigation. That's mm-hmm. going to determine, okay, you know, um, I'm understanding who, who I am and what my place is in this world and, you know, what the world um, even is. And, you know, to your, to your point, um, Lion, Lion and Dragon, it, it um, integrates that kind of um, perspective in a very... Uh, in a very illustrative way, even when it's not necessarily explicit. There's not pages and pages and chapters yeah. 
uh, in the Lion and Dragon book talking about it, but it very artfully and evocatively weaves it into the world and to what characters are going to exist in this world. Yeah. But when and... you do you do that, that's that's the RuneQuest does this excellently. Um, you know, um, and Dragon, even something like Star Wars and Star, mm-hmm. you know, the light side versus the dark side, which is a very, you know, ju- I would say, you know, juvenile and kind of watered down. At least it's a very strong, you know, light side, dark side has a very strong resonance throughout yeah. that that world. Yeah, and like in in Lion and Dragon as well, it's it makes monsters more interesting as well because. You know, you only play humans in that game, and I think that's honestly the way that I prefer to play fantasy now. Is the characters are all humans, um, because you're basically most of the time in these other games, it's just a costume. Like there's not, yeah, there's not truly <clears throat> fundamental differences between them. Even like within the Ring of Fire, like yeah, like each race has its own or species rather has its own sort of orientation and like you know. Sometimes they eat each other and uh, and, yeah, and all these things. Yeah, a lot of times they eat each other. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But you're still, I mean, fundamentally, like, you're not playing a character who is totally alien, you know? They are, you're embodying yeah. diff- maybe or perhaps emphasizing certain aspects of mm-hmm. humanity, but you're never, like, you can't play something that's totally alien, you know, that is totally outside the human right. experience because we don't have access to that. All right. we have is And you is, can't is even humanity. approach it without a lot of work. I, I yeah. I think I'm I I'm I'm starting to come around to that um that mindset as well. I think if you're making a world or if you're creating a game, you should if you're having non human species, races, whatever, um you you should really have a, a strong identity of what that is, mm-hmm. very strong advice for how to portray that, and a very strong creative reason yeah. to include them. And and the reason I that I'm really enjoying like, you know, all of the monsters that are in Lion and Dragon, because you know, they're 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 fundamentally they're just folklore from, you know, the period right. in England. Yeah, you know, like elves and goblins and ogres and dragons and all of these things, but they, they are representative of the hostile, the alien, like the non-human is dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, it's part of the morality. It's part of the order right. versus chaos. These, th- these are things of chaos. These are right. non-human things. Yeah. These are things that are, that are against civilization against, you know, the, the yeah. flourishing of, uh, a healthy humanity. They're about tearing away that, that, fabric and uh that's a right. much more interesting game to play in in my opinion um than being able to play you know 50 different species and again like i'm not totally against that it's just i find that less interesting than i used to like i don't care i don't need to play an elf you know i'm i can right, play a really right. interesting human <laughs> you know um right and the things the things that tend to be especially in a D milieu that are interesting about dwarf or an elf or a gnome, or what you know, or whatever. Um, it's the different like culture, the elven forest nation or mm-hmm. the dwarven mountain hold culture. 
you can incorporate a similar culture or a, a feel of a particular culture with human mm-hmm. nation, you know, um, you know, it, it, it really is like, like you said, um, at least most of the time, um, just putting on a, a different mask, a different costume yeah, um, and playing Mo- a, a, a human with slightly different with pointy some ways, in some cases, yeah. arbitrary, you know, um, emphasis on certain right. things. And and the thing is, it's like when it is done well, because even in Tolkien, it's it's done well. Like the elves, they are different. They have a different perspective yes. because they live a long time, and you know, like mm-hmm. they, or possibly forever. <laughs> right. um, there's like very hard to play. Right. Possibly impossible. Like actually play even um, Legolas, but it's like. Elrond or Arwen or yeah. Galadriel. Galadriel, like, yeah. How are you going to roleplay that? You you can't. You no. can't. Um, and to try and do so honestly would, um, I don't, even if you're you know, a Tolkien scholar or whatever mm-hmm. even that means, but uh, you yeah. know, it's part part of the the actual identity of a, a lot of these these different races. Yeah, you know, the elves especially um, is the mystery. To try and yeah. inhabit them is to make them less elvish. Yeah, and you know make, I mean? and yeah, they become less interesting. You spoil literally the magic about them, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so again, I'm not gonna like not play games that have non-human choices for for race, sure. of course. And I probably will still play non-humans at some point if I find you know an interesting idea or whatever. But just from a kind of a the perspective of like what I would consider better writing and better world building, uh, use like humans are more than enough, like more than enough mm-hmm. for all of this. And I really like the idea of the non-human being the antisocial and like right. the this this driving force of entropy and eating away at at everything that has been built. Um, and I know that's what. I mean, most monsters were, you know, portrayed that way in early of editions of D anD D, and you know, it is that's the themes of pulp. You know, is the you know the yep. the beast men and uh, and all, and all of this, um, and that's the folk the folklore inspiration. You know, right, elves are monsters. They may be yeah. they're fairies, mis- they're you know, yeah. fair, you know, mischievous, or even occasionally um, uh, benevolent or. Um, helpful in some way, but ultimately speaking, and to you know, bring it back around to alignment, the you know, alignment morality—it's a human. Yeah, it's incompatible. Morality. It's incompatible whatever, with human human beings. Yeah, whatever morality creatures of the Fey have, it's it's either incomprehensible yeah. to human understanding, or it's like inimical to right like cruel twisted yeah 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 exactly um yeah i agree with that and so in i kind of think that alignment then in in terms of like if you want it to be good in a game really good you want the you know you want that woven into the fabric of the game uh your alignment system and i think ultimately it is a tool of uh role play Essentially, it's it's a guidepost yes. for how to role play, and it should enhance your role play. Um, and that doesn't mean it's a straitjacket for your role play, 
Um, but even these these games that have the kind of alternatives to alignment that they're they're still basically doing the same thing. Um, and when it's done well, it can really enhance your role play and make it better. Um, a couple of different examples uh, that we've been talking about. Um, Miguel from the Red Room recently, uh, their, their wretched role-playing game, which of course I have right here, uh, and you should check them out if you're watching this episode. This is a uh, game I can't wait to play, actually. It sounds like an enormous amount of fun um, <laughs> the more I get into it. Uh, but in their core, core rulebook right now, since it is the, the wretched verse is you know, based on anti-heroes, uh, you select, instead of having an alignment, you select one of your the seven deadly sins. And this is kind of, um, it, it incentivizes you to lean into that sin every once in a while because it will uh, give you basically mechanical bonuses for certain things. And it may also set you back uh, in terms of right. story and whatnot. Um, they recently, though, I think they did an update where they're doing, uh, you can choose a virtue and a vice. So you're not just limited right. to yeah. only playing, you know, the grimy, you know, getting your right. <laughs> down in the filth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's uh, the idea of having like a boon and a bane associated with it. So when you do this and you lean into the, these scenes, it's like you have the possibility of getting a bonus, but there's also the, uh, the possibility of something negative happening as a result of it. Um, and this is to kind of, this is to enhance the flavor of the game and to enhance your role play and incentivize you as a player to actually get in there and play your character and do something interesting. Um, with regards to like other games like uh, Vampire, uh, Vampire the Requiem, which I, I've i been going through a little bit of that again. Like I uh, went to go and reread the humanity system and I started reading that book again for like an hour today because it's so good. That is a game... Where yeah. basically every single mechanic is there to enhance your role play, um, but the humanity system in uh, Vampire the Masquerade, I never liked it. It was basically just yeah, a list of like sins that you would, you know, like you're. It, it's supposed to represent uh, how deeply you have fallen and how detached you are from being uh, not. Well, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself by saying detached, but like how much more bestial you're becoming. You're becoming less of a man, less of a human being. And again, going into something that is alien, animal, chaotic, yes. and destruct, ultimately totally destructive. That is the base of the game in Vampire is that you have your higher consciousness, but within the very fabric of your being and your soul is essentially this demonic beast-like hunger this animal that is always waiting to take the mm -hmm. reins away from you and yes. just create bloody murder and chaos. Um, so again, it's not getting, it's not even really getting rid of law and chaos in that sense. You know, they're not doing no. away with alignment. Um, but the, the system in, in masquerade, I, I did not like it because it didn't really represent anything other than you're being bad. You know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah. you, you have a low human, <laughs> you'd have like a low, a, th uh, a three dots in humanity or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. you committed premeditated murder. You have to roll for humanity again. You might lose a dot of humanity right. here. And I'm like, <clears throat> you guys realize that there are human beings. You're a vampire. Well, I know. Yeah. For, but before we even touch the vampire part of it, in the real world, there, there are, are people, who, people who commit 
<laughs> premeditated murder, murder and, and like and yeah. way worse like way worse yeah. and they're not like literal physical they're demons still... <laughs> and they're still just right. people <laughs> you know like it was very much a, a milk toast sort of you know I, I would say fairly disney um interpretation of like you know it's like it's not as bad as like hallmark you know definition of good but it's not not much better it wasn't until paths of enlightenment yes came out in in uh later on in masquerade mm -hmm. that's something in that world i think makes a lot more sense it's a way lot more, sense. more engaging uh, yeah because because they're literal philosophies yeah right they're philosophies they're different ethical codes right um and there is a curse right exactly. no one understands really how to deal with this it's an unnatural phenomenon that's it, been put upon you and if you and if you don't have some sort of orientation that allows your psyche to be somewhat compatible with the idea that you're a bloodthirsty right. literally a bloodthirsty monster like right. you would you would go crazy you'll become a monster like you will a, just, an animal yeah you will become the, yeah. that animal and so it makes sense that you would have these paths of enlightenment they were alternatives to humanity and the system like you basically you no longer yeah. tracked humanity you tracked your adherence to the path and path writing yeah each each path had a different um a totally different set of like sins and things that you were uh you know ideas that you had to follow but these were again yeah. these were also like templates for then how you role play it's the kind of thing how like, you see the world how, how you, you see the world act and and what you you know, it's 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 like people of different religions have mm -hmm. totally different outlooks on on life. Even if you you know the the three uh, monotheistic religions, they may have overlap and things in common, but they do view the world very differently, and they act right. very differently based on those principles. And the more that you take those principles seriously, the the kind of more serious that divergence is, and the more and and more importantly, the you know the stronger your actions are in a certain direction and that's the same thing with yeah. the paths of enlightenment um but when we got to requiem uh, at least when requiem got to second edition rather second edition uh, requiem. yeah because yeah. uh first edition requiem had the same humanity system uh, it was it yeah. was no different <laughs> um second edition though treats it very differently because the, the they they also had this system of, of virtue and vice in new world of darkness and the mechanical side of that, I think, was that if you played out your vice, if you played into it, then you got a single point of willpower back. And then if you uh, played your virtue, which was much more difficult, I think you got three points of willpower back. I think that's right. Yeah, they re they replaced that in Requiem, second edition, with what's called the Mask and the Dirge. And the mask is basically yes. what you present to the world. And, the, and it says very explicitly, it's and like... To humanity, to mortals specifically. Right. Right. And, it's, and it says, like, look, when you become a vampire, you know instantaneously the very act of being you is mm -hmm. like this grave sin. So the idea that you're going to adhere yes. to these virtues and vices anymore, that's out the window. So you have the, the mask, which is how you present yourself to humanity. Uh, this is the lie that you tell to people, essentially. Yeah. Um, when you play into that, you get that single point of willpower back. But if you act in defense of... And it's I think it's it's the strength with the lengths to which you go to act in favor of your dirge or your mask uh, mm -hmm. has a yeah. huge uh, difference in the amount of willpower you recover. I think it's like you, if you 
if you do like commit like horrific acts in protecting your dirge, that you get right. all of your willpower back. Um, but the fact is, you have to commit these horrible acts, and there's all sorts of other consequences that go along with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the humanity system, in particular, uh, was detached from being about uh, just these dumb sins that you would commit, and and tracking yeah. like, you know, how mean, how much of a meanie you're becoming, and it became <laughs> very much more oriented towards um, how how well can you even empathize or relate to humanity anymore. It's really more about right. becoming very much so detached. And you have to do, yes. I mean, they even say you have to do detachment roles uh, uh, when you are in these moments of crisis when, you're, when your humanity may lower. And as a result, like when your humanity lowers, uh, you can't, you, you start creeping people out just by your very mm-hmm. existence. And the Nosferatu are at a much, much worse uh, disadvantage in this case because they already kind of wear that on the outside. Um, they're isolated they look horrific right or they have some just completely creepy unsettling presence um that was actually one of the great changes from requiem as well is that the nosferatu did not necessarily have to be physically deformed uh monstrosities right. there's it's just something yeah something gross deeply uh, deeply creepy about them. about them yeah like i had yeah. oh man one of my players came great up with this change. idea um where uh basically his when he was standing in anyone's peripheral vision every once in a while in their peripheral vision, they would see him like reaching very slowly for their, for their throat. <laughs> and so the, and the second yeah. they looked, you know, it was like, he's just standing there and standing there. he just yeah. would forget about this all the time. So I'd throw it in at random times where people were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and just like yeah. completely ruined, yeah. <laughs> ruined whatever was going on for them. And he'd be like, fuck. <laughs> um, but he otherwise looked normal. Um, but anyway, getting, getting back to the, the humanity and detachment, uh, it's it's that you you become unable to even empathize with human beings after a certain point, and uh, that's a what much more interesting thing to role play. And I think there is the the best example of where you could find this, like probably in popular media. There's this movie called Under the Skin with um, I was about to say Natalie Portman, uh, not Scott Garibay, also not the name I'm looking for. Uh, it's the name <laughs> always comes to mind, um, but with Scarlett Johansson. Um, and it takes place in Scotland and she's an alien and she drives around in a van in Scotland trying to seduce random guys off of the street and she brings them back to her house, which like down in the basement is this like black void where she draws them out into the black void. They end up like walking. She's like basically walking backwards on water and they go down into the water and then they get dissolved and it's like this weird Kubrick montage of what's happening to their their body and their innards. Um, but her character has, when she's interacting with people, she's able to 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 fake it completely, you know, like human expressions mm-hmm. and all of this. But the second she's done with it, it's like, that's gone. It's just like the total blank look. Right. And she eventually tries to start understanding people. And it's really fucked up. Uh, there's this great scene where she's on the beach and she's watching people drown. And, like, they have a baby on the beach, you know. And she's just sitting there watching it happen. Doesn't help. Eventually, like, goes and, like, grabs the the drowned corpse and, like, brings it onto the beach and is just kind of staring at it. But it's, like, to me, that's what the low humanity vampire is. It's not the yes. the raging, like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to go just, tear everyone apart. It's, I, yeah, I feel nothing. And I can't. It doesn't mean anything to me. I'm it, not a part of It doesn't of mean this. anything. Yeah. 
Right. And the the fight and the struggle in in Vampire is to avoid becoming that. And that's an interesting mm. game to play and an interesting struggle as a role player to to fight against that. You know that when you when you say that that actually I I didn't even think to bring this uh, game up, but um, I have to watch that that movie. I haven't seen it, but it's you'll love it. It's it very really much good. gives me um, ideas and inspiration for another Chronicles of Darkness game, which I love. It's one of my favorites. It's it's uh, definitely my favorite of the unique uh, monster types. Yeah. Uh, which is Promethean, yeah. Promethean the Created. And the, you know, the quote-unquote alignment system, the ethos of that game. You, so in Promethean, you play basically a, a Frankenstein monster, a golem of some sort, an mm-hmm. artificially created being that is... Um, something that should not be. Something that should not be. Your very nature not only has part of the you know, quote-unquote curse or you know a, a calamity of that type of monster is there's you have something called disquiet you are people can feel you don't necessarily look um you know the the, the glamour or whatever um you look normal most of the time to regular people but there's just something about you humans and animals can sense there's something unnatural about you and more than that your disquiet the you know the uh abomination of your being the longer you stay in any physic any one physical location you start to physically warp reality around you yeah rain comes down oily uh the soil be- you know uh, buildings begin to erode things start breaking down um but you're trying you start out the game, you're not human. You're trying to become human. It's sort of like a dark uh, Pinocchio story. Mm-hmm. You're trying to become a real mortal human being. And part of, well, really the, the whole game is about these characters trying desperately to connect with something that they are not, but so deeply want to be. Yeah. So you, very, you know, I could very much see that uh, being a Promethean character, someone who's early on in their you know, life or their their existence, trying to understand what, you know, I don't feel anything when I see these people suffering and fearful for drowning, and I don't feel any remorse, not remorse, but I don't feel any sadness uh, for, like, a dead baby. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's the Frankenstein story. I mean, that's, ex- I think, right. pretty much, that's one of the explicit inspirations. That is one of the sort of, that's one of know, the archetype. clans or yeah. types yeah, yeah. Um, but that's it's very much the the Frankenstein. It's or like you know it's the evil. It would be well, I can't say the evil version of Data because that that'd be lore. But so it doesn't quite work lore. there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite doesn't quite work there. Um, yeah, but again, it's like it's like we've talked about previously many times on this this uh, podcast and our channel is that these are things that are aspects of the game world that yes. push you into action no matter what. Like there is just something going on in the game all the time because that's the nature of the game and the nature of the setting. And when you really do a good job with a system like alignment, 
or a system like humanity uh, or disquiet, all of these these things that that fill that kind of void to orient your character in the world. Um, that is like a, a way to have a great role playing experience and a way to spur you into action. Uh, it's yeah. it's a if you neglect these things in designing a game like you're you're making you're going to make an inferior product. I think like you have to have some something yeah, to orient are. orient you in the world. That's not just I am a fighter or I am, mm-hmm. you know, the werewolf, you know, like there has to be something. And like there. you were saying, it doesn't have to be good evil right? right? to just you know loop back one more time on vampire, both masquerade and Requiem second edition. The paths of enlightenment in VTM and what we've described for uh, Requiem, those to me are very good. Requiem is a better implementation, but they're both mm-hmm. very good implementations of a subjective morality. Mm-hmm. There's not, I mean, in Masquerade, I, yeah, you do have, like, God is, is real. You do, you do have yeah, that. And, but... and, and I mean, like, in Masquerade, it is basically implicitly assumed that murder is evil and you, what right. you're doing is evil. The point is you are a monster. It is bad. But given that, you know, yes. then we have this 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 system of morality, essentially, that, that you would have to come up with. Because if you right. are conscious, you have to have some sort of morality. Otherwise, you are an animal right. and a psychopath. Yeah, and it can be, you know, I... I my current conceptualization of, of this, you, you, you can have an objective subjective um um you could have kind of like a a, a gimmick you know, not in a you know i don't mean that as a uh, in a um you know negative connotation a, a kind of a gimmick or a genre yeah based. no i know exactly what you're um, saying like like lion and dragon has very much an objective yeah alignment morality system and dragon has a very objective it's a Christian ethos in in mm-hmm. both of those. And Line of Dragon doesn't use those terms, but uh, it's very much the case. Even though Line of Dragon is leaning more towards the old D and D mechanical conceptualization of alignment, mm-hmm. and Dragon it's more split out and um, elaborate in that you have uh, you know mutually exclusive values in terms of uh, your. Uh, the cardinal virtues and the deadly sins mm-hmm. you know, lust versus chastity um i don't uh like uh, courage or uh, gluttony versus temperance something. or yeah. gluttony versus temperance something versus versus wrath but but, but yeah ultimately speaking that's an an objective morality you know uh rec, you know we uh, requiem uh, certainly you have, certainly you'd, you'd requiem. have like 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 soy versus eggs you know, the ultimate. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. That's that's an that's do you an idea. Slunk for... the soylent, or do you slunk the eggs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, RuneQuest is also, I would argue, an obj- uh, a great uh, uh, implementation of a subjective morality, um, because while there is a kind of overarching theme in that world, uh, that uh, that. Chaos is is bad. Chaos is very much amped up. Um, it's very much explicitly a physically and metaphysically eroding 
course, mm-hmm. but you have different... RuneQuest is a very sort of mythologically inspired kind of Bronze Age, uh, Bronze Age setting, but you have different you know, uh, uh, affinities or loyalties to different uh, gods or pantheons of gods, you know, to ethos the very fabric of of your being and it's much more explicitly the case that what you believe is sort of what's physically real mm-hmm. in some case in that world to worship and to follow orlanth the storm god there are things which are mutually exclusive to following yelm the sun god or ornalda um, and the earth pantheon or you know there it's very strongly uh, you have this kind of runic morality, uh, and nominally everyone sort of despises chaos, but outside mm-hmm. of that larger, you know, annihilating threat, you know, what's what's sort of good and evil, right and wrong, what are the principles which guide you, um, can differ you know, very, very much. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Wretched, uh, the Wretched, the Wretched Verse... You know, leaning into kind of a, a particular um, virtue or a particular sin, um, sort of that to me strikes me as very much like a Gonzo thing, a, a, more of what I would I would say, sort of a, a gimmick kind of alignment. I'm choosing, I'm choosing an evocative thematic um, point of focus, and I'm sort of revving the gas. Yeah, to lean into that thing. Right, I'm gonna it's, be. It's about it's about you know, def, uh, what is the morality within the genre that you're playing in, whether it's yes, you know, exploitation films or uh, yeah, yeah, you know, or you know, like '80s. Uh, I don't want to bring up a different setting we might we might make uh, at some point, but uh, <laughs> that may, yeah, sure. <laughs> don't want to go too far in there, um, or like. You know the kind of dark superhero, antihero stuff like The Crow. You know, or like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's and or Payback, which is like such <laughs> a good movie. We're gonna have to watch that when you get when you get here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like these you know characters who have a code of some kind, but are they fall outside of the kind of traditional conception of good and evil? They may still end up yeah. saving the day. Uh, not to pull a line directly from the wretched role playing book, um, but you know they might hurt people to do it. <laughs> you sure, know. and you know all of these things. Like these are very different ways of doing of of implementing sort of a quote unquote alignment system mechanically. Yeah. Um, and you know the very thematics of these alignments or moralities are in some cases like again totally in opposition with each other. You know, depending on on the game and the yeah. world. All of this, you know, like we said at the beginning, these aren't, you know, prison bars that are, you know, or a straitjacket that's no, you know, keeping you confined. This is fuel. Yeah, this is fuel. This for is going to make your game body better. Character. Yeah, it's going to make your, your game character way is better. Passionate about or right or you know how he sees the world. Um, you know, this is fuel for that fire. So you know, don't sleep on. This, uh, this, you know, a kind of an alignment system or an align, an awareness of alignment, just because it's done extremely poorly. Yeah. In D and D, it has been for a very, a very long time because 
yes, alignment in Dungeons and Dragons is terrible because, because they, don't do yeah. they, have, yeah, they, they don't do anything. Yeah, they don't do anything with anything. it. Yeah, like there's yes. no like. Um, I mean, at least you know over the course. I can't speak to fifth edition again because I haven't I haven't really gone through much of their stuff, um, but for a very long time, alignment essentially was meaningless. It didn't have it wasn't tied to anything really of value outside of like, oh, you can't be a paladin now, you know, yeah. or oh, like this particular magical item you can't use it because if you're you're a di- you're of a different alignment, and it's like that's the extent of the world building or the way in which it's it's integrated into the game but the concept of alignment is good it is a good yes. like in terms of like good game design and good world building you don't want to just jettison that um because it w- your game will suffer and it will suffer in the same ways that these shitty games suffer because that that's one of the you know foundational issues that they've they've overlooked and right. if you and if you do take it seriously and you find a game that takes it seriously, especially if it takes it seriously in like multiple aspects, like uh yes. I just want to keep talking about vampire for like ten hours, but yeah. uh but in Requiem it's also it's not like you have the humanity system, which is like the core explicit part of your character, but you also do have essentially like the factions you align with all have different ideologies that fit within this. Yes. And they are very much like law or chaos oriented in a sense. Like you have mm-hmm. like the Carthians who are basically like these like more 19th century style, like commie, like commie anarchists, like bomb yeah. throwing anarchists, not the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the weaklings that we have today. Um, <laughs> and you have like the Lankea at Sanctum, which is like a really creepy version of the Catholic church. Catholic uh, church, your vampiric Catholic yeah, church. The Invictus, which is like, like the state and like society, you yeah. know. Um, and then you have like the circle of the crone, which is the abdication mm-hmm. of all of that and embracing the monstrosity and, yeah. uh, and, and pagan morality, a right. dar- like a dark pagan morality. Right. And the, the Ordo Dracul, which is like, the, they're trying to overcome and transcend the curse. And this is very much like right. an individualist, like against the order, you know, like it's, yeah. it's really like really interesting stuff. And if you have those that are uh, in conflict with your character, um, it's, I mean, it just makes for such good role play. And like, right. That's the thing about these, there, these games, like I was, when I was looking through blood and smoke again, like I got to read this whole book. I'm going to do an entire review on it because it's like every mechanic in that book is tied into your role play and making and like, and it, it's not just like, Oh, here's yeah. how to play your character better. It's that it's like, this is how you play the game. And if you play the game, you know, yeah roughly according to the rules you're gonna be role-playing the whole time and it's gonna be awesome this is how all these different things fit into the larger fabric of the world of the world yeah character in that world and i love that you're not divorced from the setting at all there's very great um the the writing is evocative it's easy to understand and um you know, mechanically speaking, like everything, you know, everything is accounted for, and all the, you know, all the weights and the levers, mm-hmm. you know, it all makes sense. Yeah, how this all works. The gears turn, um, you know, and it's very, they turn very smoothly in that game. Yeah, um, and it's it's just 
what a great game and what an overlooked gem that is because people are yeah. fucking idiots and they hate on requiem so world much of darkness uh yeah world of darkness players and fans are the worst type of a worst type yeah, of fandom just in terrible fandom terrible fandom it. these I oh my it. i hate it too it drives me crazy and I, and I like i like vtm i do too um, i love it i yeah, and i have like, all the nostalgia for it i have all of that yeah. like <laughs> yeah, but like, like shut the fuck up yeah about, seriously shut the fuck up yeah like people, yeah. cause people will tell me like, oh yeah, Requiem is, is terrible. Uh, it's just a rip off of Masquerade. I'm like, you've never read it then. I'm like, you've yeah. literally yep. never read the fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you have literally proven terrible. to me that you've never picked up the book. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Um, I just want to loop back to, you know, our uh, righteous indignation about uh, Watsi and the mm -hmm. current state of things. Um, if you want to try and bring this to life, bring alignment system to, to life in like a D and D Pathfinder esque game, um, I would strongly recommend people set, uh, set their next game in the Dragonlance campaign setting. Because that setting to me more than any other, more than way much more than the forgotten, the forgotten realms or Planescape. Ravenloft, um, the world is built in such a way that it has a very clearly understandable built-in alignment framework. It's a moral framework based off of the D&D alignment system. Mm -hmm. Good, neutral, um, good, neutral, evil. Everything feeds, feeds uh, down into that sort of three, you know, uh, three-way, um, organizational structure from the gods it's very explicitly it's the pantheon of good the pantheon of evil the pantheon of neutrality and they have the same number of deities in them i think mm -hmm. change with age of mortals but but regardless um there's three different um major organizations of arcane magic wizards of the white robes the red robes and the black robes there's three martial orders that, you know, play this same right. chorus of sort of thematic morality. You have the Knights of Salamnia, you have the Legion of Steel, and you have the Dark Knights or the Knights of Naraka. Everything from top to bottom is organized. The world spins based off of this, uh, yeah, your D&D nine-portion alignment system. You know, lawful good to chaotic evil and... And sort of every everything in between. So that's a world which is the 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 fluff, for lack of a better word. The 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 setting itself is structured in such a way as to make standard D and D alignment system actually really come to life in a yeah. in a really cool way. Um, it's just again, Watsi has not. Well, and if they're taken the creative endeavor to to really integrate this. Yeah, and if they are. And if they're if they're eliminating alignment, they're they're ripping the heart and soul out of that game. You can't you can't run. You can't portray an accurate um, presentation of the Dragonlance setting or Kryn without having alignment be a crucial part of the understanding 
from the GM's perspective and from the player's perspective, for the character's perspective. Yeah. You know, it's it's built into the fabric of that world. Um, and it's just going to be... I know they've they've released stuff for Dragonlance in 5th edition. I haven't read it, but I have zero faith that it's not a complete bastardization and a, a betrayal yeah, they, of, uh, they, of, that, like, of that world. Like we've said... What they're doing with these products is they're taking them out back to the pet cemetery and burying <laughs> them in the Indian burial ground, and yep. they're coming back to life. And when they come back, they're not the thing you remembered. They're not the yeah. thing you remember. No. <laughs> they are hostile. <laughs> they are agents of chaos. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think this was. It's funny because when we, um, I hadn't really thought explicitly about alignment. Uh, until mm-hmm. very recently, because we we've been trying to record this episode for uh, kind of quite a while Co- now, a couple um, weeks, yeah, a couple weeks, and it just kept getting pushed back for for whatever reason. And I remember when you brought up the topic, you were like, "I want to talk about alignment," and I think that was around the time that like you also, it's like you're not on Twitter all that much, but like every time that one of these topics is coming up on Twitter, yeah. you're like simultaneously <laughs> like thinking of it, like psychically pulling in. Cause you're like, you know, I was thinking about reaction roles or I was thinking about, you know, like, like yeah, yeah, these yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you're like, I want to talk about alignment. And I was like, I don't think I really have any strong feelings on it because my entire experience with alignment in D and D and Pathfinder and all this stuff in the previous days of my gaming was kind of like, uh, it was just there. Like, didn't I don't really, need it. It's, yeah. it's a relic. It's just, you know, I can role play my, my yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. And, I know, know how to role play in, in all this. But then like, right. actually sitting down, thinking about it, doing some reading, watching some people's videos on this stuff. I was kind of like, no, like alignment actually is incredibly important. And even if you're not calling it alignment, uh, right. whatever alternative that you're having in place for it, they are accomplishing the same thing. And yes. it's if you don't have it, your game is going to suck. And mm-hmm. if you do have it and you're making a game, you want it to integrate fully with pretty much everything about the world. Because when you do that, it the, the game sings. It's... Uh, yes. Yeah. Very much so. So you heard it from Black Lodge Games. We love alignment. <laughs> That's right. Take it to the bank. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on time right now. That was a uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was good that timed. things uh, things delayed. It gave us both time. Yeah, it gave us more time this. to think about it, which is uh, which is good. And uh, just more more proof to the conviction and the reality that we are on a mission from God, and right. He is organizing things uh, for us to share right. this uh, this uh, this conviction to you. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> oh, and. An update on the mission from God. Um, if you guys have made it this far in the video, I would really hope, check the description, go find the link. Uh, we're going to link this guy's channel. His name is C4 Crispy. Uh, great dude, making some great really... Channel. Yeah, great channel. Uh, he's, uh, you know, watched our channel and Shauner and uh, some others other, that are... Other ki- people. Yeah, kind of in this, mm-hmm. this immersive role play space. Um, and, you know, took some of the kind of game building advice that we've given... And has been bringing it to his table, and it sounds like he's having great success at it, which is yeah, which awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. That, so cool to hear. That makes us feel amazing because we were also yeah. anticipating the possibility that it would just ruin your social life right. <laughs> and which destroy we're, your you know, friendships. We're still we are very much okay with that. Yeah, we're still okay uh, with but... <laughs> that. So if you're out there and you take our advice and it goes horribly wrong, 
we're okay with that yeah. too. Yeah. But yeah, please his, go check his out channel his channel. Is a, is a, you know, a, a, a big white pill in a sea of black. Exactly. Big, big white yeah. pill. Guy who's had a lot of experience running games for decades and is, you know, pushing, not pushing, but, you know, uh, bringing his players he's, into he's a... He's bringing a, it up. Yeah, he's bringing it up and saying like, hey guys, do you guys want to try, you know, actually doing a little bit more role play? And they're and responding well to it. some of his players well he's been it. playing yeah. with... For like a long time, long time, some of them are first time playing any yeah. type of game. So it just goes to show whether you've been with a group for decades or you have people who've never engaged with the hobby. Um, no, you have no excuse not to be yeah. bringing this, this quality gold that right. we're bringing. Exactly. Exactly. But it makes, yeah, it makes us very happy that uh, someone's table is ostensibly yeah. having a better time because of our content. Um, so with that, uh, Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share this video, do all that stuff, and stay tuned for our Thursday night uh, live streams. Uh, mm -hmm. We got more videos coming up and more shorts coming up, uh, so we're actually working on content that is not specifically just the podcast, and so we got yes. a lot in the works. Um, so and this uh, Saturday we have uh, oh that's right two of our cyberpunk uh, game Blood exactly and sunshine Blood episode and two. Sunshine episode two can't wait. I am so mm -hmm. pumped. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. All right. I think that about wraps it up. So just remember. No apologies. No, no compromises. compromises. I almost screwed it up, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs>